This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. And now we move to our next topic, and we're going to check in with U.S. politics. So will the Democrats be able to mount a strong challenge to Donald Trump in 2020? Obviously, that depends on who turns out to be their candidate. Right now, there's a huge field of two dozen hopeful hopefuls. Ten of the more left-wing candidates were on the debate stage last night. And here's a sample from Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Medicare for all is comprehensive. It covers all health care needs for senior citizens. It will finally include dental care, hearing aids, and eyeglasses. But you don't know Second of all. You don't know that, Second of all. I do know, and I wrote the damn bill. I don't understand why anybody goes to all the trouble of running for president of the United States just to talk about what we really can't do and shouldn't fight for. (laughs) Our biggest problem in Washington is corruption. It is giant corporations that have taken our government and that are holding it by the throat. And we need to have the courage to fight back against that. And until we're ready to do that, it's just more of the same. Well, I'm ready to get in this fight. I'm ready to win. Okay, so the candidates from the party's more moderate wing will take to the stage tonight. So what are the chances that any of this will create problems for Trump and the Republicans? The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-744-740. And now let's go to Tiana Lowe, who is a writer for the Washington Examiner. She's in Washington. And Sean Spear, a Monk Senior Fellow at the McDonald laurier Institute. Welcome to you both. Thanks for having me. Hi, Hi, thank you. Tiana, uh, you're in Washington. What is your take on what transpired last night? So the biggest winner of last night's debate wasn't on the stage. It was uh, former Vice President Joe Biden. You know, Congressman Delany, he uh, has failed to require even one qualified poll for the September debate. Um, he doesn't even have half the amount of the donor count required to qualify for the September debates. This is probably the last time we see him on the national stage ever. However, he pointed out extremely important flaws in Warren and Sanders' Medicare for All packages. Um, you know, it's a $32.6 trillion in a decade plan that right now the most generous tax that's been proposed is Warren's potentially unconstitutional wealth tax that would only acquire trillion in a decade. So that's about 8% of Medicare for all. You know, where does the next 92% come from? Delany laying down that framework makes the case for Biden's electability. You know, he's one of the only major candidates who's not proposing abolishing private health insurance. And that's something that he will need to, you know, cede that Obama to Trump territory in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin in order to uh, unseat Trump from the Oval. So what I'm hearing from you is that health care is, is the main issue so far? Absolutely. I mean, among almost every single demographic, health care repeatedly gets touted as the most important issue. 
more so than immigration, more so, far more so than climate, far more so um, than deficit spending. Healthcare is the one issue in the country that affects everyone, and it doesn't. And this is not just a matter of American interest. Seeing as we're 4.4 percent of the world's population and 44 percent of the world's medical research and development, ensuring that we still have the level of production and profitability in our health in our healthcare industry is important for the rest of the world. We are producing the world's cancer research. We are pro- producing the world's uh, preventative care. So it's of interest to the rest of the globe that we don't kneecap our entire profit-motivated industry that is responsible for the majority of the world's medical patents. Uh, that's an interesting view. You know, on every uh, measure there is, uh, the United States consistently scores at the bottom of the pack. I don't want to debate that with you, but uh, I want to bring in Sean Spear. How do you see it? Well, I'll respond to the healthcare point in a second, because I think it is useful to sort of translate the American debate for a Canadian audience and to to contextualize in the way that we think and and do healthcare. But just more fundamentally, Libby, what struck me uh, in the debate yesterday and, and probably again tonight is that for all of the talk of dysfunction, um, and disruption within the Republican Party. Uh, the Democratic Party is going through a similar process of soul-searching. You know, what's striking to me is that in 2008, when Mr. Obama ran as a outsider candidate against uh, the then-frontrunner Hillary Clinton, he ran, um, I-, I think, self-evidently to the left of her. He was the progressive alternative to Hillary Clinton and what's striking is in now in 2019, many of the positions that Mr. Obama uh, uh, advanced as part of his presidential election campaign would put him on the far right of the Democratic Party. It's just striking that in a relatively short period of time, um, uh, Mr. Obama has crossed the spectrum within the Democratic Party. And that was on display to last night on issues ranging from uh, Medicare's as Tiana just mentioned, to uh, fairly radical views on uh, immigration and uh, and uh, uh, the American sovereignty and American borders. So uh, I think they seem to be on a path to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Mr. Trump is a highly unpopular president, certainly, I think, uh, susceptible to uh, to failing to be reelected. And yet I think if the Democratic Party continues down this path of fairly radical progressive politics, um, they will buttress uh, Mr. Mr. Trump's chances for re-election. Tiana, did you see anything that would hurt Trump in in last night's debate? I mean, Trump was probably the other winner because the fact remains that uh, um, three years ago, some uh, you know. Seven out of ten Americans thought that the country was going down the wrong direction, even though they liked President Obama on a personal level. Now that number is only five in ten. Trump's economic approval ratings are always about 10 to 15 points higher than his relatively low overall approval ratings. The fact remains that people do not like Trump's They do like his policies. You know, tax cuts were effective. We are in the longest bull market in American history. We are seeing real wage growth for the first time in years. So, you know, the more focus that is made on Trump is an aberration. He debases the overall office through norm-breaking. He has a disdain for rule of law and order and precedent. That's a very easy case for Democrats to make, especially with a candidate like Joe Biden, who is widely respected across the aisle. Uh, Sean, uh, do you agree with that? 
I, I think broadly, um, there's a whole host of reasons not to like Mr. Trump. Um, but it seems to me uh, if the Democrats are going to pick up the, those swing states, the ones that will, for all intents and purposes, decide the next election, um, it seems to me a candidate like Mr. Biden, uh, who is perceived as a moderate, I think is, it will, will resonate more in places like Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan. May I just uh, may I just mention, uh, just refer to the healthcare point for a second, sure. Libby. Um, so what they're talking about, I think it's important to contextualize for Canadians because it gets difficult to compare our model versus what's being talked about. Our single payer universal system, Libby, covers hospital and physician care, as many listeners would know. It does not cover uh, things like dental, drugs. Uh, long-term care and so on. And in fact, we may have in our own federal campaign a debate about whether it ought to be expanded to include drugs. But presently, our single-payer model is actually quite narrow. What Mr. Uh, Sanders and um, uh, Ms. Warren and others are advancing is not just matching the Canadian uh, single-payer model, but actually going far wider to cover uh, with first-dollar payment from the government the kind of full range of health care services. So uh, you might think of this way. This is like, you know, in effect, um, taking the Canadian model and expanding it far richer than we presently have. That's the reason why, as Tana says, the, the cost associated with, uh, with that it would be significant. And, and, and I think to date, um, no candidate has articulated how they would go about paying for it, especially since, for better or for worse, and this isn't a critique of the Democrats, it really is a pox on all their houses, the American uh, federal government is presently running annual deficits of a trillion dollars, uh, almost the full size of the Canadian economy, for God's sakes. And so the idea that they're going to be able to load up on massive new spending uh, when they're already dealing with the trillion dollar deficit is pretty fanciful. Um, and, and, and as I say, even richer than, than what we have here in Canada. Tiana, how do you see the demographic issue? Obviously, when you poll voters in a vacuum, they've made it abundantly clear that they don't want a septuagenarian uh, candidate. And both Bernie Sanders and uh, Joe Biden are both in their 70s. You know, on Joe Biden's, if Joe Biden won the election, on Inauguration Day, he would be older than Ronald Reagan, our oldest president, was when he left office. So age should be a huge issue. But again... It's unprecedented how Democrats are polling on electability being an issue. Usually, a minority of Democrats will say that it's more important for a candidate to be able to beat their opponent rather than matching the ideals that they want. But in this case, Democrats just really hate President Trump. They just want to get him out of office. And I think that they're aware that, yeah, Biden may be old, but they would rather have one term of Biden have Trump out of office then be able to fulfill a progressive Christmas wish list. Well, it's not like Trump is uh, is that much younger than him, Sean. Yes, uh, we're going to have the, the battle of the senior citizens. I, I think I, I, I'm not sure uh, that, that okay. age is a, a we major We like fit. we like older people here, but anyway, uh, go ahead. Of course, yes. I was just going to say I don't I don't think age necessarily is a major factor here. I agree that. Um, uh, that there seems to be an emphasis on electability, and as I said earlier, Mr. Bride, Mr. Biden, I think, will likely resonate more in the the key uh, key states that Democrats need to make progress uh, if they are going to uh, reverse uh, their their loss in 2016. 
Um, but I do think uh, if uh, someone like Mr. Biden is ultimately the nominee, uh, he'll need to think carefully about his selection of vice presidential candidate uh, in order to address any questions around uh, around age. And, and but but as, as fundamentally uh, to uh, make sure that he's appealing to millennial voters who, um, you know, I think represent a, a fairly significant uh, base of the of the Democratic Party. Well, yeah, it's just a question. You know, millennials uh, don't they don't uh, vote in big numbers. I mean, even though they the younger people, uh, people younger than baby boomers, for the first time, make up a larger proportion of the American electorate, but they just don't vote in the same numbers as older people, baby boomers, and older uh, do. Tiana. No, and I also think, you know, there's the Twitter primary that celebrates, you know, uh, monetary fantasies like like modern monetary theory, which no reasonable economist actually believes in. You know, there, there, there are these very left-wing vocal circles on the Internet that think that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is the future of the Democratic Party or its president, depending on who you ask. Or, or the end of it, look, maybe. But, but, but when you look at the actual distribution of voters, so... Voters of color in the Democratic Party, they tend to be far more moderate. Uh, older Democratic voters tend to be far more moderate. These are all groups that are necessary to winning South Carolina, New Hampshire, Iowa. And then furthermore, so it's about 10% of the population is a daily user of Twitter. And about 2% of those users of, of, of that 10% are the ones who are producing the majority of tweets that people are consuming about politics. So... When we're talking about these left-wing ideas, we're talking about, you know, a few million people in the country at most, in a country of 330 million people. So I think it's just important to remember that if you want someone with crossover appeal, someone to reclaim those 80,000 voters in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, you don't want you don't go as far left as you possibly can. And so you listen to where the actual polling pulses in the country. You know, 70% of Americans they like the idea of a public option. Only 40% of Democrats polled are in favor of Medicare for All when they're made aware that it has to abolish private health insurance. So these are just things that get lost in the national conversation because the media and because the Beltway are such echo chambers. Uh, what about tonight? So there, the names that we hear, keep hearing as possible breakouts is Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg. Uh, what about them? Is there a chance that somebody will sort of break out from the pack aside from Joe Biden, Sean, do you think? I think that's possible. Uh, it depends in part, I think, on Mr. Biden's performance. Um, listeners will know that we're into the second round of debates, and I think there was a, a, a pretty broad perce- perception that Mr. Biden was a bit off his game uh, the first time around. I, I take for granted that he won't be caught off guard again this time, and if that's the case, uh, it, uh, as we head into the next round of debates in September, uh, he, he, I think he's in a position to, to really distance himself from the pack. But if he stumbles, if he looks off, if he looks uh, complacent, um, then I certainly think there's an opportunity for someone like Kamala Harris to, uh, to uh, start to play a greater role in this race uh, than, than current polling uh, would indicate. And, and Tiana, who would you bet that would be the winner tonight? So tonight, it just depends. If Joe Biden is ready to bring the debate performance that he did in 2012 with Paul Ryan, 
Joe Biden will be the winner and Trump should be shaking in his boots. Yeah. If he decides to cower to Kamala and to Cory Booker, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm feeling rather bullish on someone like Andrew Yang, who obviously has little to no chance of winning the presidency. But, you know, he, he's one poll away from securing his place in the debate stage in September. And if he can make it to that threshold and if he can make a viable case for his campaign, the field should be winnowing down to about 10 people in the next month. Okay, we those stringent September debate. I'm feeling rather bullish on Andrew Yang. Okay, that is all the time we have. Thank you so much to both of you. Appreciate it. Uh, We'll be watching tonight. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.